Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Torqued. My name is Laura, and I'm here with my husband, Kendall. Hey. Hi. Uh, and this is our podcast all about electric vehicles. So thanks for listening. So at the end of our last episode, we were at a bit of a crossroads. Which car should we seriously think about buying? So our current situation with our cars is we own a 2012 Honda Civic and we own a 2017 Chevy Bolt. And our goal is to go all electric. And so we're trying to decide the next steps. So Kendall, give me a bit of an overview of what's on the market right now in terms of electric vehicles. Yeah, so I feel like there's kind of two big classes of vehicles and then some of the Teslas kind of fall in the middle. So there's been a recognition because performance on electrics really outpaces the internal combustion engine on every metric arguably um, for luxury car builders to come into the electric market. So, you know, Jaguar, Audi, they've both come in with really competitive entrants this year in terms yes. of performance specs, but they're really at the high end of the market. I mean, we're, in we're talking in terms of price, mm -hmm. we're talking 60 to 70,000 plus. Um, a little rich for my blood. Yeah, a little high. Now, now, one thing we always have to keep in mind with electric cars is there are a lot of incentives. So even on those higher price range vehicles, you're looking at a $7,500 tax credit from the government, from the, gov from the federal government. And that's not a, that's not just a deduction. That's a full credit. So that's right. like cash in your pocket when right. you go to file your taxes. So that's kind of a big deal. And then and some states have incentives too. Some states have incentives and there's even some areas that have some locality things going on. Like you may have an electric utility that does something right. or something like that. So um, it definitely pays to do your research, but even with those incentives, those Higher end cars are still higher end cars. And then at the other end of the market, you have things like the Nissan Leaf, the Chevrolet Bolt, you're seeing uh, Kia come in with a Nero EV and uh, Hyundai is coming out with a Hyundai Kona EV. Um, and those are kind of at the other end of the spectrum. And what's interesting about those is when you first look at the price tags, like if you're in Auto Trader or Car Guru, just looking at cars, you're gonna think, gosh, that's kind of expensive. But you have to remember that tax credit falls on top of that. So like we live in Texas and with some of the manufacturers that haven't used up their uh, federal tax credits, and we'll have to talk a little bit about that as well. You know, in Texas, you're looking at getting that $7,500 credit from the federal government, as well as Texas has a $2,500 credit for certain electric vehicles. And this is where it gets kind of annoying and complicated yes. sometimes. But, you know, something like the Kia Nero EV, um, which is sold here in Texas, they uh, you're looking at shaving $10,000 off of the price tag of that. So you might go online and see a car that's up in the high 30s, but you know, subtract $10,000 from that. You're really looking at a car maybe in the high 20s, you know? So um, it, it throws people off. I hear a lot of people say, well, gosh, electric cars are so expensive, but um, really they're kind of in there. And when you look at the maintenance costs on electric vehicles, say. like they're next to nothing, you know? I was just reading an article um, from Clean Technica, I think. And this guy bought a 2017 Chevrolet Bolt and went like 150,000 miles in the first year. And the Bolt is with a V, all electric. Right, the all electric version. So not the Volt with a V that we have. And he claims he only put $75 into maintenance and that's tire rotation, cabin air filters for the past three years wow. total and his inspections. Now I don't know what his state inspection costs were, but I mean, that kind of tells the story, right? Like. If I go in for an oil change right. on my internal combustion engine, I've just knocked out the maintenance costs that he spent in three years right. on his Chevrolet Bolt with 150,000 yeah. miles. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons we can talk about that. But I think the big thing that folks have to recognize is there's kind of these two classes of vehicles. And then kind of in the middle is where something like the Tesla Model 3 comes in. And it's like around 40s somewhere in there. And then depending on what state you're in, 
you may or may not some, get some credits or some type of rebate program. But one thing about Tesla is they have used up all of their federal tax credits. So, so you talk know about this. Yeah. So I believe it's once a car manufacturer uh, hits a certain number, I think it's $200,000, 200,000 vehicles sold. Um, they start a phase out process on the tax credit. So I think Tesla's actually ended at the end of the calendar year going into at the end of 2019. Chevrolet is actually on its way out right now. So um, I believe uh, the end of March, they'll completely erase the remainder of their tax credits. I believe right now though, it's something like um, $1,800 tax credit still left of that 7,500. So basically, you know, the federal government had like a stair step program where once you hit that number, and I think it was 200,000, but somebody might correct me in comments out there, um, it would start to kind of taper down um, quarter by quarter. And so and Chevrolet is coming to the end of theirs. For the car maker, not per vehicle, right? So a Volt and a Volt would still be Exactly, yeah, it, it was, it was for the car maker. So what's interesting right now is, you know, Chevy was early to the market, Tesla was super early to the market, yes. but players like Hyundai and Kia are coming in right now, and I believe Nissan still has their full credits Which available is too. The yeah, the, yeah, the Leaf has sold really well worldwide. It struggled a little bit in the United States. And so um, and there's, there's a few reasons we can talk about um, why that might be. But um, the, what's interesting though is that with those federal tax credits going away, particularly with Chevrolet, what we're seeing is Chevrolet also cut the price of the Bolt. Yeah. So, you know, they've made a lot of these vehicles and that's what we need with electric vehicles. We need scale um, and battery prices are coming down. Um, so we're seeing bolts um, like in the LT trim. So it comes in two trims, the LT and the Premier. And in the LT trim, we're seeing like mid twenties now sometimes mm -hmm. priced on the bolts. Um, and the Premiers, I've seen them underneath $30,000 as well. And in a state like Texas, again, you can still collect a few more dollars. So you can get $2,500, I believe, in Texas. And what year is that? Back. That's on the 2020s. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely one of those things that makes it a little bit more complicated for buyers to go out there. I think people see the sticker and like take something like the, the Kia Nero EV, right? You see the sticker and you're like, wow, that's up in the high 30s, almost $40,000. And you look at a comparable, um, you know, the Nero is a hybrid to begin with. So um, like the, the traditional Nero is a hybrid and you see that it might be in the high 20s and you think, oh my gosh, like that's too expensive. But remember, you can shave $10,000 off and then don't forget about those maintenance costs and all those other little factors that come in, you know, you're, it's, it's nominal what you're going to spend in maintenance on these electric vehicles. So. Great. Well, next I'm going to quiz you on some of the cars that are a little bit more in the price range that I'm comfortable with, which is the cheaper end, the lower budget options. Uh, we have to buy diapers. So I'm going to quiz you on those and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the features, the range and the price. All right, so we have the Chevy Volt with a V as in victory. So I think kind of a natural choice for us to consider would be the Bolt with a V. So tell me a little bit about the 2020 Bolt and what the range of that is, the price, and then also some of the features you get with that car. Yeah, so the Bolt gets 259 miles in 2020 um, right. on range. So it's really a strong range candidate. Um, the other thing it has, and most of the electric vehicles out there have this, is thermal management of the battery. And that, if you're in a state like Texas, where it can get a little warm, a little toasty here, that's a big deal so to have thermal management. So the battery, um, basically they have a cooling system to actively yeah. cool the battery and, and keep it sense. happy yeah. in its happy range. Now, I wanna contrast that to the Nissan Leaf. So this is the big critique of the Nissan Leaf. The Nissan Leafs do not have the same type of active thermal management. Um, they use air-cooled um, on their batteries, which, you know, if you're in Silicon Valley, you're probably good with that. If you're in 
Great Britain, you're probably good with that. Again, if you're in Texas or Arizona, Arizona yeah. that may be a little suboptimal. But, right. Cool. So what we've seen with the Nissan Leaf is we've seen what they call turtling on mm. the batteries. Um, and we don't really see this with the Chevrolets. So, you know, Chevrolet has been in the game with, with the Bolt with a V since the, the early 2010s. Um, and with the Bolt, they've been out since 2017. And that thermal management, we're seeing degradation um, after three years of less than 5%. Wow. Um, so it's, it's pretty nominal. In fact, you may not even notice that range just because um, one of the things that electric vehicles do is, you know, depending on how the weather is, it does swing your range a yes. little bit. Um, but what we're seeing with the Bolt, and again, back to this thermal management thing, like not only does it cool it, it can also help you with, you know, keeping it warm and keeping it in its happy temp. So we're seeing that in the winter, a Bolt might lose like 25% of its range if you're in a colder part of the country. And that's a big deal. I think this is one of the things that Chevy's done well, is they've made this a 50 state vehicle. Yes. So, a, you know, GM, who owns Chevy, has a lot of data coming in from these batteries that they've had out for almost a decade now all over the country. And so I, I would say they're arguably on, on the top of the game when it comes to thermal management. Um, and that's a big deal. Um, now the Bolt, what you don't get, so you ask me what you don't get. So it's not um, quite as quirky and advanced arguably is something like the Tesla. And this is where you kind of have to figure out what you want in a car, right? So Tesla likes to show off their self-parking features and their autopilot. The Chevy Bolt, um, particularly in the 2020, I'm seeing a lot more of them on the market with um, a nice range of, of safety features, um, lane departure warnings, you know, um, automatic braking, um, those types of things. But, um, you don't get some of those, um, you know, some folks might actually call them gimmicks on the Tesla. And I say that because, yeah, Tesla says it can do all these things. And I've watched a lot of videos on them. And yeah, the autopilot's pretty neat. But we've also seen how, like, their summons feature for self-park. Like, if you haven't seen some of the YouTube videos that are out there, go check it out before you spend a lot of money on that. And you tell me if that's ready for prime time. You know, like, it's interesting but is it really practical I, I wouldn't use that especially with a young kid running around I wouldn't use that anywhere that she's nearby so um, I think that's something that buyers have to consider is you know what they want in in the vehicle so and what's the price of the the bolt so um, right now um, we're seeing a vast difference from the MSRP and what dealers are offering. So this is another difference that, you know, I don't necessarily love. Companies like Tesla have fixed prices, Chevrolet, not so much, right? The dealerships kind of right. set the price and you, you sometimes have to do a little bit of that old school game, which I, I know a lot of us don't like, but we're seeing them, um, the LTs in the mid twenties, um, 26, 27, around there, thousand. And the premieres, which come with um, a leather um, interior, a little bit nicer interior, um, and a few more features, those are coming in in the lower 30s. And I've actually seen them um, marketed in Texas at multiple dealerships now for underneath $30,000 before any of those um, rebates that are still out there from like the state of Texas right. or the tax credit, that 1800 or so that's out there up until the end of March from the federal government. Got it. So that's where it gets messy and you have to do a little bit of homework. Um, Google is your friend here. And once you kind of zone in on what you want in an electric car, um, it's worth Googling what the incentives are, um, particularly for your area and make sure, you know, you get a little notepad out and start writing it down because it really does add up, right? So for us, we would get um, $2,500 from Texas, mm -hmm. plus we get that $1,800 and change um, in mm -hmm. federal tax credit. So, you know, we're looking at a solid uh, $4,000 to, uh, about $4,000 basically to off of some of those prices. Cool, so for 30,000 or less, we would get all electric for about 230 to 240 miles. 
Uh, no, the 2020 is 259. Yeah, no, it's really good. So the, those are the old numbers on the 2019s oh, and right. before, um, 2017, 2018, 2019. So um, it's a big jump, arguably. I, I think when you're talking about filling your tank with 259 miles of electricity um, and realizing that you're not going to have to drive to a gas station to go right. fill it up, which is something that I think people really underestimate until they experience not having to go to gas stations. Gas right. stations actually are pretty inconvenient. Yes. And um, being able to avoid that um, is, is really important. And the other thing is, um, if you're going to do longer road trips in a Chevrolet Bolt, um, they do have an option for fast charging and with the Electrify America network um, really ramping up across the country, that's a big deal. I mean, you can road trip now in a Chevrolet Bolt. I probably would not have advised that just a couple years ago. Okay. All right, so next I have questions about kind of one of the other big players that you mentioned, the Nissan Leaf. So we, I think we see those around town quite a bit. Um, yeah, so we live in Austin, Austin and yeah. we have a pretty decent adoption rate of electric vehicles yeah. and, and Leafs are popular. Um, you know, I think one of, one of the things that comes with them is they've been on the market for a long time. Right. Um, so they, they've had just that experience out there and folks that have owned them have talked to their friends, maybe they're on their second leaf or whatever. Um, when the new model came out, I believe it was the 2018 model year, um, they actually got the range on the Nissan Leaf up to 150 plus miles of range. Um, on the American test cycle, which is different than some of the other countries use. So if you're looking at um, perhaps like a Japanese website, um, you, you may actually see a different range. Mm. And that's because they actually test their vehicles at different speeds mm. in a different environment. So, yeah. um, but here in the United States, it was um, the original um, second gen LEAF was rated at over 150 miles range. And now they've come out with the Nissan Leaf uh, Plus, I believe it's mm -hmm. called. And that exceeds 200 miles of range. I think it's around 210 if memory serves. Um, I, I chose not to come in here with a big spreadsheet because I figured I'd end up just looking at numbers and um, focusing on that instead of kind of talking in a, hopefully a semi-cohesive way. So, um, the, the Nissan Leaf, I think the other element it has going for it is you know, it, it's a Japanese car brand, which a lot of Americans equate with better quality. Um, I would say that the Americans have made massive strides on quality, and I don't think the gap is as big as, you know, some consumers may perceive it between like Chevrolet and, and Nissan at this point. Um, but the Nissans have proven quite reliable. The one issue, as we talked about earlier, is their lack of an active thermal management system on the battery. Um, however, they have other things they've done a little bit differently, like their heating elements are a little bit different. and potentially more energy efficient for like the cabin than the Chevrolet Bolt. So some folks get hung on one thing or the other. I think most car reviewers and most consumers have begun to identify this thermal management for longevity as really a key. And that's, um, I wouldn't say I would never buy a Nissan Leaf, um, but to me, it'd be a stronger consideration for a lease vehicle if you're gonna own it for a few years knowing that that, um, that battery technology that Nissan's using while it's been out a long time hasn't proven quite as strong as uh, the manufacturers like Tesla and Chevrolet that opted for active thermal management. So I know that's a little nerdy and that's the kind of stuff that might turn people off of electric cars to have to worry about that stuff. But, um, you know, I think for most consumers, they, they may not notice it right away, but I think what we'll see is that as um, as those cars come on the market as pre-owned, they're going to depreciate a little bit faster and higher than other vehicles that have had that active thermal management. And then I think people will also look at like the Carfaxes and say, okay, where where did this car live? Was it in a place like Arizona, um, which is actually hotter than here? And um, you know, question that. So 
any other features that you think are noteworthy? Yeah, so Nissan did a good job with um, kind of an autopilot type concept. I think they call it ProPilot. Everybody's got their own branding on all their little feature suites right now. It's sort of hard to keep track of, but um, it, it has um, some of those similar type features that what Tesla introduced. Um, I think most car reviews I've seen, it's not quite as advanced as maybe where Tesla is on those, but um, it is a good technology suite. I think it's designed around safety. Um, there's a lot changing though in that space. So again, kind of depending on what kind of driver you are and what you like, like if you're an early adopter to technology, that might be a real draw. Um, but if you're more worried about, okay, what are the proven safety features? I would say that um, that's not as important, um, that, that ProPilot um, feature. And I believe that starts to come in on um, some of the higher level trims. So I believe the Nissan Leaf, again, from memory, I think it starts with the S, and then I believe there's the SB trim. And I believe it's on the SB trim that you can start to get that ProPilot assist. And then there's the SL, which is like a leather trim. So um, three trims instead of the Chevrolet Bolts, two trims. Gotcha. And so what's kind of the general price point for a, a Leaf? Yeah, so I, I've, I've seen right now, it's, it's sort of hard to keep this one in my head because we're seeing both the 150 mile ranges mm -hmm. and we're seeing the 200 plus mile ranges. So I would say pre-incentive, you're looking towards the higher end of the $30,000 range, unless you're getting a very basic Nissan Leaf, and then you might be a little bit lower in that $30,000 range. Um, but again, you can take some serious tax credits and uh, and potentially, you know, if your state has rebates like Texas on those. So uh, make sure and factor those in when you're looking at those prices. Um, now I should caveat this a little bit. We have looked at new Nissan Leafs. I think we did so a couple years ago mm -hmm. um, when that 2018 came out. And one of the less scrupulous dealerships um, in the Bernie, Texas area, the Nissan dealership in Bernie, Texas, they were quoting the price with the federal tax credit mm -hmm. factored in. Mm -hmm. And so it looked like when you went on Auto Trader, they were super cheap when in fact they actually had priced it like an MSRP and then just shaved off $7,500 that everybody was getting. And what was frustrating about that is when they were not disclosing that on the website. And when we contacted them, they were not upfront about that. And so you, you do have to be careful. Again, these, these traditional car makers like Nissan and Chevrolet, they have this franchise, these franchise networks of dealerships and they're good dealerships and there are bad dealerships. Sure. So just keep that in mind when you're shopping around. Um, we have done the best, I think, buying our cars when we've sent out an email to multiple dealerships to kind of know what we want mm -hmm. and we have them come back with blind quotes and we work it over their email and we don't walk into the dealership until we have just about everything figured out. And I think everything in writing, right? And if a dealership won't put stuff in writing, I personally won't deal with them because no. It's 2020, right? Like we don't need to act like, you know, it's small town USA and Billy Bob selling us a good deal and, you know, breaking it down. That's not how it works. These, these dealerships are big businesses often owned by larger corporations like AutoNation. And I think, you know, a lot of them, we've bought a car from AutoNation. They've got a lot of good dealerships in their network that will do that. We've had good experiences with uh, Penske automotive dealerships too. Um, I've actually seen more problems with um, some of the locally owned, to be honest, than some of the larger corporations that I think the larger corporations recognize that times have changed, sure. but some of the local dealerships are struggling to pick up on that. And they yeah. still want to wheel and deal like they used to. Well, that's unfortunate. Yep. All right, so we're gonna skip across the pond a little bit and talk about the BMW. Yeah, the BMW i3. And I also wanna get your take on the Mini because cute cars, 
They are cute cars. Which I like. Yeah. And so so let's start with the BMW i3. Um, that's been out, I believe, since 2014. Yeah. And when it came out, it was um, truly an over-engineered German car. Um, <laughs> we're talking carbon fiber, body parts, all kinds of technology. Um, to get the, the weight of the vehicle down. Um, e even the, the tires are kind of interesting. It has but doesn't a, that add to the efficiency of the vehicle lighter? It does. So so here, here was my frustration with the BMW i3 when it came out. First of all, when it came out, it was really in that, pushing towards that higher price range. We're talking up in the 50 plus thousand dollar range. Um, but it had some of these quirks um, in terms of some of the advanced engineering, but also things like the tires. So if you look, if you're driving behind a BMW i3, notice the width of those tires. They look almost like bicycle tires. And what's interesting is the diameter on the front tires is different than the diameter in the rear tires. And a lot of early BMW i3 owners were frustrated because the tires were not proving to be quite as durable. The other thing is, in the early models of the BMW i3, we were talking about an 80-ish mile range on all electric. And then they had a little gasoline engine option that they called the range extender that could push the car further. So it could push it to something like 150 miles or something like that, I can't remember exactly. Um, but that meant you were also toting around like a little internal combustion engine for that moment that you're uh, electric vehicle battery ran out because it was relatively short range in those early years. They have gotten that, I believe, over 100 miles now. I believe the current BMW i3 um, is over 100 miles range. And what's interesting is they've actually been able to do that with the same uh, size, physical size of battery that they had in the original. And that just is kind of one of those signals about how battery technology has been advancing. Um, and so, but it, it's a little bit quirky. So now Mini is coming to market with so an yeah, all-electric. The, the i3 is 153. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I believe... I'm. We've got to double-check that. That may be with the range extender. I believe they still offer it with Up the range to, ex yeah. extender. Um, again, someone in the comments can correct. I... I think the BMW i3s are interesting on the used car market because they've depreciated dramatically and they are kind of a neat car. If you're... If you're into kind of interesting engineering and ideas like that, check out the BMW i3, it's kind of neat. Um, if you're just looking for a really practical daily driver that's simple, easy to get things like tires on, um, I would sort of steer clear. I know some BMW i3 owners have also like changed out the wheels on those cars because of that issue. But again, back to what you pointed out, like they did it for a reason, right? Sure. They did it for efficiency. So you're also going to impact your range. Um, and the MSRP on the BMW is about 45. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so a little bit more expensive. Yeah. A little bit lower range. Depreciates really rapidly. Okay. The, the depreciation on that electric vehicle is pretty bad. Um, and I would caution buyers today to really consider that because having a low range vehicle when Chevrolet is selling sure. one that goes 259 miles, right? You really want to think about that. Yeah. Um, so again, maybe as a used car, um, but personally I'd stay away from it as a new car. Um, but I, I will give BMW some props on, on being out front in mm -hmm. engineering, right? Um, and it's, it's, it's a quirky little car, but it, I mean, it has these like supercar elements, like the carbon fiber body. Mm -hmm. Now, Mini is also going to be introducing an all electric vehicle yes. and it will have over a hundred miles of range. What's interesting about the Mini is they've taken a lot of those components from the BMW i3 and they have, um, adapted that into the Mini body. So mm -hmm. it's a situation where Mini did not design that as a ground up EV. So right. the Leaf and the Volt, those are ground up EVs. They were planned as EVs from the start. The Mini is not, um, but I think it's going to be a great deal when it hits the market. Mm -hmm. So again, sitting in Texas, 
Mini is saying that those are going to come out MSRP, I think, just under $30,000. So what we're really talking about on a Mini is a $20,000 Mini. And you try and find a $20,000 Mini um, as an internal combustion engine. And the reviewers who've driven them are pretty excited because yeah. you get those driving dynamics. We've driven internal they're combustion engine I mean, minis. well, yeah, ice, ice minis what we've driven and they're fun and I would imagine with the torque that comes with like an electric it'll be like super fun to drive so yeah I mean it's 110 mile range if you that isn't a limiting factor for you if it's kind of a daily driver for your commute wait what did you say the range was 110 okay 110, 110. Yeah. yeah yeah 110 yes but so, I mean that's not a terrible deal. Yeah, if and you have two cars car. and you're mostly using one of them in the city or you're just looking to get an electric vehicle as your second vehicle, I think that Mini is going to be a really interesting option. Um, now both the i3 and the Mini they're they're not four-door standard the the way um, the the Nissan Leaf and the Bolt are. So uh, the the BMW i3 actually does those suicide doors, um, and then the Mini will be a two-door coupe. So um, something to think about as well if you have a family to tote around, the Mini may be a little less optimal. I've, I've looked at some reviews on the i3, and I actually think if it's like your second family vehicle because of that suicide door, it's not too bad to get in and out of the back seat yeah, if you need to. So. Yeah, it's a workable little vehicle. Any um, other safety features that you think are notable? No, the the BMW comes with what you would expect a BMW to, to come with. And um, some of the packages are pretty good um, on the features. Um, and I don't actually know exactly what the Mini is going to come spec'd out with yet. So, okay. Yeah, I, I think the Mini, though, is an interesting offer for... Uh, folks who really are interested in di driving dynamics um, and want kind of that sporty little fun vehicle, right? I think the Mini fits that bill really well. Cool. So I know, Laura, you are dying to hear about what the Koreans are doing in the electric car market. Um, but before we jump to that, I just want to correct one thing on the 2020 BMW i3. So I hit Google. I believe this is from Car and Driver. So the all-electric uh, version is 126 miles battery only. And I believe with the range extended now, they can actually reach up to 200 mile. Um, do your homework. Make sure you've got the right trim and uh, get the right quote from the dealership because there are some variations out there. Um, but I believe that's the, the standard. The, the base is 126 mile battery only, 200 mile total if you have the range extender. Good to know. Yep. All right. Again, like that's part of the reason I say that's a little bit of a geeky car. Like yeah. It's got some quirks to it like that. And um, really think about whether you want that range extender. I personally, um, part of the reason we went with the Chevrolet Volt the, with the V um, that we have from 2017 is that it also has an internal combustion engine that can extend the all-electric uh, range, but it does so indefinitely. So if I need to go on a road trip with the Chevrolet Volt, I can and I will not run out. The BMW i3 concept is more of like a top-up, so they give you enough electricity to kind of drag more out of the battery, but they don't let you just run indefinitely in the yes. way on gas, the, the way the Volt would allow you to do. And at the time, as we talked about in the last episode, you know, for us that made sense. We had 53 miles rated range on the, uh, the Chevrolet Volt's battery and then indefinite miles on the gas, which a few years ago I think made a lot of sense. Sure. Okay, great. Good to know. So. Koreans. I am I'm pretty excited about what the Koreans are having to offer. I am very interested in the Hyundai, but tell me a little bit about the Kia first. Well, let, let me explain what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, Kia sells the Nero EV, uh -huh. Hyundai sells the Kona EV. 
And um, Hyundai and Kia still operate as independent companies, but um, they own parts of each other and they share some of their engineering resources. So a lot of the underlying engineering for uh, the Kia Nero and the Hyundai Kona, you can expect it to be similar. Um, and so we, we can talk a little bit about some of the differences there, but they're, they're very similar cars, um, although they have followed slightly different strategies in where they sell them. So uh, the Kia Nero EV is um, not Kia's first all-electric. Their first all-electric, I believe, was actually the Kia Soul EV, but that was, again, last episode, we talked a little bit about compliance cars. That's what that was. Uh, the Nero um, was actually, it first came out as a hybrid vehicle and then it came out as a plug-in hybrid a plug-in hybrid being similar to the volt where it had some all-electric range and then it had a gas engine that could could roll it forward indefinitely and now they've come out with the all-electric uh, Nero and I believe it's rated at something like 239 miles of all-electric range Did I get that right okay good see I can I can remember a few things still um, what's neat to me about Kia's offering is, you know, Kia is often thought of as kind of a budget brand, mm -hmm. um, but they have actually done a really nice job with the interior of the Nero EV and some of the, uh, it, you know, more luxury features. So um, when you get into the, I believe it's the EX Premium, so they, they sell it as the EX and then the EX Premium. So the EX is like cloth seats, still nice uh, suite of safety features um when you get up to the ex premium though you can get like cooled seats right. they're leather seats they're trimmed really nicely um i think they've really done a nice job packaging the vehicle um and although the nero is is often described as a bit of a crossover mm -hmm. um as a kid from the 90s i look at it and i see a station wing which yeah. i love yeah um great family haulers mm -hmm. really practical um, and has really good interior dimensions um, with, with cargo and everything. So I think it's a really, really nice package. And um, the aesthetic's kind of like funky, a bit like this. It kind of reminds me like the soul's funkiness. It, on the interior, I'd say it has a little bit of that. I would say on the exterior, Kia did not go too far. Right. So like if you look at something like the BMW i3, you mm -hmm. kind of know you're looking at an electric yeah. car. Even the Bolt has a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. When you look at the Nero, because it's yeah. a form factor that they used with their hybrid, yeah. their plug-in hybrid, and their EV, it's not quite as noticeable in that way. So if you don't want to kind of stick out with an EV, yeah. I think the Kia Nero is kind of a good option. Yeah, it's um, not like a total nerd yeah. deal, but it, it has that kind of quirkiness to its look that I like. Yeah, um, And that starts at 38 and a half. Yeah. Before the incentives. Right. So the EX uh, starts at 38 and a half. And I believe the EX premium is something around 44. Okay. Again, before incentives. So factor that in. Yeah. And then keep in mind some of the features. So if you're looking at an EX premium, yeah, go quote out another car with all those features. And um, I, I think it's, it's competitive from that standpoint. But, you know... A lot of people still, I think, associate Kia and Hyundai um, with kind of just that budget category and maybe those early years when they came out, but right. they're not the same companies that they were back sure. then. They've really uh, caught up, arguably, to the Japanese mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, reliability and engineering. And these are big, strong players in the market. and. I would encourage anyone to take a look at a, a Kia um, or a Hyundai electric vehicle um, when making a purchase. Let's talk about the Kona. Mm -hmm. um, I really like the Kona. I love the way it looks. I guess technically this is a crossover. Yeah, it, it falls into that crossover category as Catch well. Um, right? Like, <laughs> what is a crossover a now? Me, not a sedan. Um, 258 miles. Yeah. And it starts at. 37 yeah so not bad it's not it, it um it's not available in all 50 states um why is that so they're kind of easing into the market i think to mm -hmm. to figure out where the market is mm -hmm. on these vehicles mm -hmm. um so they haven't rolled it out all 50 states i'm not to be honest i'm not entirely sure 
why they're making that decision. I, I think that there's enough evidence that electric vehicles are going to be strong players permanently for the future. Yeah, I mean, four out of seven of the car commercials during the Super Bowl were for electric vehicles. Yeah, that's a big like, deal, right? Um, but they still only make up something like 2% of vehicle sales, which is part of the reason that we wanted to talk a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of folks aren't thinking about electric vehicles because they're not marketed that well. And, yeah. you know, if you think about it, marketing kind of tells us as consumers, like marketing is a way that consumers get knowledge. We may not like that, but mm -hmm. that's what companies are doing to us. Sure. They're teaching us what they want us to buy. And we've been taught for generations now, for a hundred years to buy internal combustion engine cars. And that's what the, manufacturers are making and providing to us in return. So it's a little bit of a loop that we're in. I think we're going to see when they actually invest in marketing these vehicles in the way that Tesla did, right? We talked about this last episode. When you show the specs on electric vehicle and people realize it's going to outperform their gas engine and like that story we told at the beginning, you know, $75 in maintenance potentially over right. three years. Are you kidding me? Like, show me, show me a gas car that can do that. Yeah, they should with, do something like an Energy Star sticker on them. Yeah, well, they, they, they do actually get certified for their environmental um, cleanliness. And, you know, you will hear things, some of this is coming out from the oil industry, um, that, you know, they'll, they'll argue that, well, the, the battery manufacturing is just terrible for the environment. Well, do your own research on that. It's, it's true that building an electric vehicle, just like building a gas engine vehicle, is not particularly good for the environment. However, when you compare a, a gas vehicle to an electric vehicle, um, within three years, the electric vehicle makes up its carbon uh, footprint difference between the, the gas engine vehicle and from that point on, arguably, you put a, a much cleaner vehicle on the road um, and it will run a lot more than you know, three years. So uh, the other thing that's been happening is the battery technology has been changing really rapidly. So early on, you may have heard about, you know, the cobalt that was used in um, the, the batteries and the sourcing for that cobalt. Well, the car industry and the battery manufacturers are pretty attuned to this, actually. They've gotten the cobalt down to, I believe it's less than 5% right now. It's a relatively small amount of cobalt being used and they're working hard on their sourcing. It's not perfect, but let's not forget, um, we've seen what oil does to the environment, right? Like let, let's look at the BP oil spill, the Exxon Valdez, right? Um, oil's not exactly easy on the environment either. And so um, it's, it's better, um, it's better, despite some interest groups that will tell you other things to lead you down a path because they have some incentive to do that, right? So the oil industry, um, make no mistake, a lot of the oil industry that um, is not maybe investing in newer, cleaner technologies, some of, some of the big oil players are now, um, but a lot of them, I mean, their life depends on telling you that oil is better than something cleaner, like right. electric. So, um, Can we return to the Kona for one moment? Yeah. Because I'm just excited about it. Uh, so, any other safety features or any other features on the Kona that you think are noteworthy that we didn't discuss? Um, I believe it's got lane keep assist, automatic braking, those standard set of, of safety features. Again, I, it doesn't have, um, to my knowledge, it doesn't have anything like Nissan's ProPilot or Tesla's Autopilot. But again, what do you want in a vehicle, right? Um, I think those technologies are still pretty early and I think we're going to see that there's a lot to change right now over time. And so what I'm looking for personally, and what I think most consumers probably need to focus on is what safety features are you interested in? Um, we'll see in a few years kind of what plays out, right? Um, there's components that we still got to figure out. There's kind of an argument. Do you use cameras for your safety features or do you use LiDAR? Oh. Well, it might be that it's a combination of both because sure. sometimes, you know, rain or snow, one works better than the other, that type yeah. of stuff. So there's a lot kind of changing. I would just focus on um, some of the basic safety features that have really proven themselves okay. out. Yeah. And then Hyundai, 
they have a pretty generous warranty. Is that still? I mean, I kind of remember that from the recession. Yeah. And all of that. So. Yeah. So that's right. Um, during the Great Recession, you know, Hyundai um, did did a few things. They, I think they'd actually come out with a warranty earlier mm -hmm. than that. Yeah, but they, they, they were also great about you know if you lost your job or whatever those those types of things. But. Um, they do have a really strong warranty. I believe their electrical components, I believe, are uh, warranted for like 100,000 miles. But, and, and they still have some of their really good bumper to bumper. Their five year 60,000, I think is what it is, bumper to bumper. So they, they are still pretty far out front there. Um, but the other thing I would keep in mind is that Things like the Chevrolet Bolt. I don't like that their bumper to bumper is still only three years, 36,000 miles, but their electric components are warranted much longer. So um, I believe it's five years, 80,000 miles on the Chevrolet, something like that. So do keep an eye on those warranties. I think Hyundai is probably uh, going to be, Hyundai and Kia are probably some of the leaders in that space, definitely. And I want to I want to just hit one other thing. I know somebody is going to comment about this if I don't address it. So I beat up on the oil companies a little bit and somebody who thinks they're really brilliant is going to mention that, you know, a lot of our electricity comes from oil in the United States. And that's a fair point um, that some of our electricity in the United States comes from oil. Um, but we also have the ability when we're producing electricity to put scrubbers on those smokestacks. And a lot of our electric plants are actually quite clean, um, even if they're using fossil fuels. Um, we also, you know, can make electricity from things like natural gas, which is pretty good. Um, but we also have to remember, you know, sitting in Texas, Texas has actually been out front on wind energy. Yeah. Um, we've done a lot with solar energy. And those are completely clean. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, chances are you're living off of hydroelectric. Um, you know, we actually got a quote for solar panels on our roof. And the estimate was that they could replace 70% of our electricity. We have quite a few trees around our house. Um, but the, the unit after the tax credits and the rebates was going to be under $7,000 for, for 12 panels. And I think you and I kind of looked at that and we were really surprised it came in that low, right? right? So I would also encourage folks, you know, if, if you're interested in climate, um, you know, there are some ways to just put up your own electric plant at your house and you can get completely clean energy that way. But I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that the argument for electric cars is not just around those environmental factors. So if you're a, a climate change denier, um, which there are plenty of them out there, um, you might call them a science denier, right? Um, and I don't want to get in a fight with them about that here. Um, although I would argue, look a little sure. bit at the science, but um, look at electric cars just from a performance standpoint sure. then. Check them out. Yeah. Go drive a Tesla. And I know, you know, there's going to be some Tesla haters out there that are going to tell me about all their manufacturing issues and all their quality issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go drive a Tesla and tell me that that thing doesn't outperform the gas car that you showed up at the dealership with. Um, you know, you're delusional if you think it does. Okay. Um, I, I just can't let go. Um, South Korea. The Ionic, is it even worth talking about anymore with the... Yeah, no, we should bring up some of those other niche players. So there's um, there's the Ionic mm -hmm. all electric. I believe it's 124 miles of range. 170. There's 170 yeah, now in 2020. Yeah. Oh, they they bumped that quite a bit. Um, and then the uh, Volkswagen Golf electric. Um, I believe that's around 120 something like that. I don't think they've bumped that for the 2020 year. I believe they bumped that in 2018 up to 120 or so. So. I'll kind of lump these in together. If you're sitting in California or Oregon or, you know, some of these states that have um, strong regulations on electric car vehicle sales and require them, um, these are often the compliance vehicles mm -hmm. that were put out there first and put into those states. Um, I would have paused myself to buy those um, new outright. However, I have seen absolutely phenomenal lease deals in some of those states. Um, you know, a few months ago, one of my friends contacted me about an Ionic deal that they had in like Colorado, California could get it. And it was insanely low. It was like 
a hundred some dollars a month, like the low end of a hundred some dollars a month. It was just insanely cheap with a relatively low down payment. If you could get one of those deals, I would really encourage you to check those out if you're in one of those states. So keep an eye out for those. But no, they, they tend to be a little bit lower range. But again, if it's your second car or you don't need to drive that far, you know, do you really need to buy the car that you might need once a year? Or if you want to do that cross country trip and you have a low range electric vehicle, can you just go rent something? Go rent a Tesla or something, right? Um, or, or you can go rent, you know, a gas minivan if you're taking the family. But really think about what your day to day needs are for yeah. a car. I think we we tend to buy vehicles in the United States way too often for the thing we might do, right? So romance. Yeah, a lot of people in Texas, they buy the pickup truck because one day they might, you know, decide to mulch their bed. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's ironic because a lot of the people I know with pickup trucks, they actually then hire people to mulch their beds anyways, right? Um, or they might buy a boat one day. And so they, they buy these, you know, massive vehicles. So really give that some thought and figure out what you need your car day to day for. Um, before making your decision on the 1% of utilization that you're going to have for that vehicle. Yeah, I think that's a great point. All right, so Kendall. Laura. I love a Honda. You love a Honda. We've been to the Honda flagship store in Tokyo. We've seen Osimo, their robot. We have seen Osimo. We have the family photo with him. Yes. So let's, I mean, this is almost heartbreaking to talk about. So the, the offering in the United States is the Clarity. And at this point, the Clarity is kind of like ho-hum, almost laughable. So yeah, so the, the 50 state variant that the Honda's put out is the plug-in hybrid, very similar to the Chevrolet Volt. Um, they came out with that, I believe, in 2018. And then in California, they have an all-electric version of the Clarity. Um, but I believe it only has something like 89 miles of range. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Um, it's terrible from multiple perspectives, in my opinion. So um, Honda had this tendency. They've done it a couple times now. So, you know, when they first came out with the original Insight, um, it had those wheel covers on the rear for uh, aerodynamics, and they did that with the Clarity. And it takes a car that maybe wouldn't have been terrible looking. Um, it does not really follow the design language of most of the Honda fleet. Um, but wow, I mean, you 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 gotta love the quirkiness of it. But it's kind of an ugly car. It's a low range car. They, they truly just met the mark of a compliance vehicle, in my opinion, with the Clarity. Um, now, that said, so they've been slow to adopt electric cars. Mm -hmm. However, um, we now have a Honda Electric that's going to come out in, in Europe, and I believe they're going to get it in uh, parts of Asia as well. At this point, it does not look like the United States is going to get it. Seriously. But this thing is phenomenal. This thing, it, it really picks up on new design language. It's... Um, it's it's forward looking and some call it a little retro at the same time, kind of harkening back to those early civics that were brought into the United States. But um, it's a relatively low range electric vehicle, but I think phenomenally designed. But, you know, Honda and Toyota both tend to be a little bit conservative companies. Um, they have invested a lot in their hydrogen vehicle technology, not knowing whether electric or hydrogen would take off. Um, the, the challenge with hydrogen is both the cost of hydrogen right now and the distribution network for hydrogen. And it still really plays on that old model that assumes we all like going to, you know, fueling stations, right. um, which it turns out, I think most electric car buyers, one of the things they realize they love the most about their vehicle that they may not have, have recognized at the start is not having to go to a gas yeah. station, right? Yeah. Um, so Honda's been a little bit slow on this front. Um, I'm hoping they begin to pick up, but um, they've really been disappointing because Honda um, actually spends a fixed percentage of their income on R&D. Um, they, they, I believe, hold more patents than any other car company. And they're really good at advanced design and engineering, 
but with electric vehicles, they haven't really gotten out there with a good mass product yet. Yeah, yeah they've been slow. So the new car that's available in Europe is called... Um, gosh, I've had to put this out of my mind. I believe it's the Honda E. Um, yes, that's right. But it is just completely depressing to me that they won't bring this vehicle because to the United States because it is the best looking vehicle out there. So yeah. Beautiful. It's so cute. It's so quirky. It's got such cheerful little headlights. Uh, and then the interior of that thing is just, I mean, I just want to curl up with the mug of coffee and just. Yeah, so they went yeah. with this like lounge theme on the interior and it's kind of a, almost like a third space concept, like outside of your house and your work mm -hmm. that you can go to. It's, it, it is really neat. It, it, the engineering and design on it reminds me of something like when the first iPhone came out, right? Like we'd never seen anything quite like it. I think the Honda E almost reaches that category. Um, I think every auto reviewer that's interested at all in electric cars loves this thing and Honda is just breaking our heart by not bringing it to the United States right now. So, so if you're listening. Uh, yeah, that's right, Honda. You need to bring that to the United States. Um, and don't think that just because a lot of Americans want really large cars, that, that means all Americans want really large cars. Like look at our roads, look at how many minis are out there. Um, I know Fiat kind of, you know, has struggled a little bit, but I would argue that has more to do with Fiat's quality issues um, in their marriage to Chrysler than um, the fact that people don't want small cars. That was actually really popular when it hit. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if yeah, a was. strong player like Honda comes in with that, but um, we, we need to see that here in the United States, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Or if you won't, just sell it and like maybe if we could just make orders or something, you don't have to like. Yeah, let it. us order it online, right? Like let's mm -hmm. let's steer us away from the dealerships. There's no love for the dealerships. I'm sorry, dealerships. You guys have all these lobbyists telling our state representatives mm -hmm. how great you are. None of us really like you guys that much. You actually are really hard to deal with, and everybody has lots of stories about terrible dealership experiences. And I think the car companies need to address that. And I would love to see them move away from that model. And it's one of the things I really like about Tesla, that they've been able to move outside yeah. of that model. That said, I know, you know, some of the critics out there would say, look, Kendall, great points, but uh, the reality of what you're saying is, is, is problematic because if you need to get a Tesla service, you don't have as many locations as you sure. do with somebody like Chevrolet or Honda or Hyundai or, or Kia. And that's true. Um, the good news is with electric vehicles, you don't really need to go there all that much. Um, we're seeing that. But, um, you know, having a servicing network to me is not a reason to keep a, an experience alive that consumers absolutely can't stand. And right. that's the reality is yeah. we do not enjoy mo the vast majority of us. Yeah. I think there are I, a few who still like it. I have worked like with some men who cold. just love going in there and arm wrestling Dragon. over their car. Um, Spitballing. Yeah. Back of the napkin. But like when we walk in a dealership and the sales they make you sit person down will, and like wait. Well, and they often talk to me and not you. Yeah. Um, and, and you, like wink at me knowingly. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Don't do that. So he, here's something that dealerships could do is they could get more women salespeople because I, I would say our better experiences yes. have been with women salespeople. Yes. There are some good men out there, but I'm sorry, gentlemen, we're we're not doing so well. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think what is the statistic? Like 51 percent of car buying decisions are made by women. Yeah. Like, or the majority. And we're all trying. The reality is, right? Like, any of us that are, are, are married, any men that are married to women, we're all really, at the end of the day, just trying to convince the woman that we should buy the car that we want to buy. And so, even if, like, those are statistics, I think they're completely false because in, you know, heterosexual couples, I believe that basically all of the final car buying decisions come down to the woman in one way or another who, who holds veto power. So yeah, the dealership should definitely focus on that. And I think particularly with electric vehicles, you know, we, we talked last episode about all those maintenance issues that we, we we're seeing you get away from with electric vehicles. And I think, you know, you mentioned as, as a woman, that's a powerful argument for you for these vehicles. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's get folks to upgrade, right? This is, yeah. this is their chance. This is their chance. Okay. So I think we have covered sort of the lower end. 
I think we're gonna save Tesla and the more expensive cars for another episode. You mean the ones I'm not allowed to have? Probably, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about those in an, a future episode, probably our next episode, if I had to guess, unless something super exciting in the electric car world happens in the next few days and we just have to address it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Thank you for listening. Thank you. And uh, have a fabulous week. And I hope this has helped you if you are considering uh, an electric vehicle and just talking about all the different options and things to look out for because there really is a lot. There is. Thanks. Thanks.